GGPS Chapter 21 Hindsight is 2020 Enlightening our lives by studying the past The Sfasema says Golos Mitzrayim the story of when we were in exile in Egypt is really the foundation of all of our future exiles that we traveled through as a nation. And that is why we mention the redemption from Mitzrayim every single day. Hashem rescued us from the intense slavery of Mitzrayim. The Ramban says, Chazal teach us that when we were in Mitzrayim, we were really, really bad. We sank to a really low spiritual level. So, you want to know, right? How bad were we? So listen to this. The Medrash says that when Yosef died, we stopped performing a bris on our children. And we said, you know why we're going to stop doing this? Because we don't want to be different. We want to be like the Egyptians. Wow, that's bad. Another medrash says that the entire land of Mitzrayim was full of our idols. Wow. Another medrash says the theaters and the clubs were filled with Eden. I'm sure you get the picture, and it sure ain't pretty. During the first hundred plus years that we lived in Mitzrayim, before they began to persecute us, we became deeply entangled with the Egyptian people, socializing with them at their theaters, partying with them at their clubs, worshipping idols, and generally living like our Egyptian neighbors. And yet amazingly, we did manage to keep three little things. Our names, our language, and our Jewish dress code. Now, even though it's true that keeping these three distinctions is what gave us the merits that we needed in order to bring about our Geula, our redemption from Mitzrayim, but let us imagine how ridiculously confused we were. In Sefer Leiv Shalem, Rib Shalem Shvadron, Chus says, Let's just try to imagine what this scene looked like. Ayid went out at night to party at the new Egyptian disco, Mubaraku. But since he didn't change his dress code, so he wore his black pants, his white shirt, and even perhaps his strimal as he partied the night away, dancing hand in hand with the scantily clad Egyptians while getting drunk with them. Some Lava Malka that was. Let's bring an example to prove the point. Identity Crisis As Leibel entered the club, the lights and sounds hit him in the face. He spotted his buddy Chaim Yosef dancing wildly right in the middle of a whole group of Goyim, with a bottle of old Williamsburg in his hand and his curly pious bouncing up and down. Chaim Yosef excitedly called out to him in a perfect Yiddish, Ni Leibele, Kim Chaparekida! Come dance! When did this story take place? In Egypt, in the year of 2238? Or perhaps in America? in the year 5838.
The sad fact is that after living in Egypt for just 210 years, our spiritual situation had thoroughly deteriorated as we drifted far off the path of our holy ancestors. We were all at risk. Unfortunately, the concept of living a spiritually uplifted Yiddish life and the dream that one day Hashem would appoint us to be His chosen people had all but faded away. We were shattered. We were battered physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Throughout our long, blood-stained history of exile, there were many times that we, Klal Yisrael, found ourselves under the authority of murderous tyrants. They abused their superior physical power to oppress us with harsh decrees in order to prevent us from learning Torah and performing mitzvahs. For example, in the time of the miracle of Hanukkah, the Greeks did not allow us to learn Torah, perform mitzvahs, or even perform a bris to a newborn child. These atrocities were punishable by death. Even in recent times, the communists outlawed circumcision and didn't allow us to follow our Torah. These atrocities and crimes that we committed were punishable by life in prison and being sent to Siberia. And yet the response of the Jewish nation to those difficult circumstances was always to show our steadfast willingness to risk our lives, to fulfill Hashem's commandments and sanctify Hashem's name. And therefore, we have many questions about what happened in Mitzrayim. Question number one. In Mitzrayim, there were no decrees that forced us to follow the spiritually contaminated ways of our captors. So we need to figure out what exactly pushed us to abandon our beautiful, fulfilling Yiddish lifestyle. Why were we found cheering at the stadiums and partying in the bars and the clubs together with the local Gentile population and not teaching our children to follow the ethical and moral path of our holy forefathers? Question number two. When the Torah says that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, do you know what that means? The Haggadah of Pesach explains that when it says that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, it means that Hashem did this Himself. The Nesiv Shalom asks, What practical difference does it make whether Hashem took us out Himself or had He sent a messenger? The bottom line is that either way, Hashem would have arranged for us to be saved from the bitter slavery of Mitzrayim. So what does it mean when the Torah specifically tells us that Hashem took us out Himself and did not send a messenger? Question number three. The Torah says, Ki yad, Hashem Mitzrayim, That Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, not just regular, not just with a regular hand, but with a chayzik yad, with a mighty hand. Now, the Nesiva Shalom asks a question that we really all should have ourselves. Let's understand. What does it mean when it says that Hashem used His Chayzik Yad, His mighty hand, to save us? Is there anything really difficult for the master of the universe? And Why couldn't Hashem just use His regular hand to get the job done? Hashem manages the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the galaxies every single day. No, but he needed his mighty hand to schlep a few Jews out of Mitzrayim? What does that mean? Question number four. The Mechilta says, Echad Incredibly, when the time of redemption arrived, there were many, many Jews 
who simply did not want to leave Egypt. This was not just a small number we're talking about. Rather, do you know how many people it was? Are you ready? Brace yourself. A whopping 80% majority of Klal Yisrael did not want to leave Mitzrayim. Yeah, I warned you to brace yourself. We need to understand, how is it Shaykh? How is it possible that 80% of Klal Yisrael, about 2.4 million of our brothers and sisters, made the awful decision to remain enslaved in Mitzrayim? Who in their right mind would ever choose slavery over freedom? The Taldus Yitzchak says, the Hayoitzim and even the 20% that left, even the 20% who did agree to let Hashem rescue them and take them out of slavery in Mitzrayim, even those 20% were not really excited about leaving. And Hashem had to kind of push them out. Come on, be honest. Does this make any sense to you? We were slaves. We were being tortured. We were losing everything about our identity, Baruchnius and Megashmius. We fell to the lowest level of the world. We were slaves and we lost our connection to Hashem. And yet, when it came time to the Geula, 80% of us made a decision, no, we don't want to go. And the 20% that did want to go out were not excited. How can this be? Question number five. It says in the Torah, Anchu b'nei Yisrael min The Yidin moaned in pain from the work. So come on, ask this question like a real yeshiva bachar. How can we have just said that 80% of Klal Yisrael did not want to leave Mitzrayim when the Torah specifically tells us that Klal Yisrael was screaming out in pain from the servitude? And the Kesser Yonison explains, Shehoisa kosha alehem, Vayizaku vatal shavosom lishme moroim shalashem, Vayoimru bima moroi, Lohishiem minhoavoida. And the answer is, yes, it is true that we cried out in pain, but only for the cruel slave labor to end. We didn't cry out in pain that we lost our madragas, our levels of spirituality. We didn't even cry out in pain that we were slaves. But we cried out in pain over the cruel slave labor to end. Now hang on a second. Once we were crying out in pain because we were being beaten mercilessly by our Egyptian captors and the fun of the mingling and partying with the Egyptians was clearly over. Why did we not at least scream out then to Hashem to have mercy on us and end the entire miserable exile and bring us to Eretz Yisrael? Here, we went from having fun and partying to being slaved and whipped and beaten and killed. We're crying out to Hashem, and we don't think about crying out to Hashem to rescue us and to make us free? We only think about crying, Oh, Hashem, help us that they shouldn't hurt us so much. We should be able to be more comfortable slaves in Mitzrayim. How does that make any sense? Ready for question number six? I knew you were. Question number six. The Torah says, And Rashi says, the Torah tells us that when Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, He did not lead us by the route of the path that passes the Pelishtim, even though that was the shortest route to Eretz Yisrael. Why not? Because Hashem was worried, so to speak, that when we would encounter a war, 
we would get cold feet and want to run back and return to Egypt. Now hang on just a second. Hashem was worried that we would, we, we would what? We would go back to Egypt? Are you kidding me? Weren't we just freed from intense, horrific, inhumane slavery? Go back? The Egyptians were putting our babies into cement walls alive. Go back? Pari slaughtered 300 Jewish babies every day just to soak in their blood. Go back? Did we forget how we moaned and groaned in agony just a few days before? Let's bring an example to prove the point. Never again. It's October 1939. The Nazis, Yamach Shemam, took over Poland. Young Moishi had witnessed horrific brutality at the hands of the Nazis that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Miraculously, Moishi had managed to be smuggled out of the concentration camp and he joined a partisan group hiding in the forest. After one year, he obtained false documents with a new Polish name and address. He was now walking around as free as any Polish citizen. On the way to work each day, he would pass by the concentration camp and he was able to see the electric barbed wire fence, barking dogs, and the Nazi guards in the towers. You can be sure that Maishi would never, ever have the slightest urge to ever voluntarily go back to that place. And so we need to understand, why did Hashem have to worry about us ever even thinking of returning to the horrific nightmare of Egypt? Question number seven. It says in the Haggadah, Avadam hayinu lepari b'mitzrayim, we were slaves to pari b'mitzrayim, ve'ilu lo yhaitzi ha'kadosh baruch hu v'saviseinu mimitzrayim. But if Hashem would not have rescued our forefathers from Mitzrayim, then what would happen? Hare anu v'neinu v'neinu mishubadim hayinu lepari b'mitzrayim. Then, if we wouldn't have been rescued from Mitzrayim, we, our children, and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren would still be enslaved to Pari and Mitzrayim. The Shlach HaKadosh asks the obvious question, how could we say that if Hashem would not have rescued us, then we would still be slaves today? Didn't Hashem specifically promise Avram Avinu that after 400 years of exile, the Yidin would be freed from slavery? So we definitely would not have been slaves today, even if Hashem would not have taken us out of Mitzrayim at the time that He did. Okay, I just hit you with seven questions. So let's review these questions, one after another, in a quick way, so we can really get the question of what's going on. Question number one. Why were we pushed down to abandon our beautiful and fulfilling lifestyle and spiral down to such a low spiritual level of 49th level of Tumah? In other Gullus, we had people who were forcing us not to do Tare Mitzvahs, but in Mitzrayim, we don't find that at all. We find that they allowed us to do Tare Mitzvahs, and we went out and we partied with them, and we were free, at least in the beginning. So why did we lose our level of spirituality? Question number two. It says, What practical difference does it make if Hashem would have taken us out with a messenger or that He took us out Himself? Why are we constantly so proud of this fact? Hashem did it without a malach, without a shliach. Really, what's the difference? The main thing is, He got us out. Question number three. The Torah says, Ki yad Hashem, Hashem used His special, mighty hand. Why? 
Why did Hashem need to use his special mighty hand? And why doesn't he just use his regular hand to yank us out of Mitzrayim? Question number four. How is it possible that a whopping 80% of Klal Yisrael preferred to stay in Mitzrayim and even the 20% that chose to leave were not even excited to leave? They had to be kind of nudged out. Question number five. Even when we screamed, we didn't scream, Hashem, rescue us out of Egypt. Hashem, save us spiritually. We screamed because the avoida, the workload, was just too much. Why did we not scream and beg Hashem to rescue us and bring us to Eretz Yisrael as he had promised Avraham Avinu? Question number six. After we got out of Mitzrayim, why did Hashem have to even worry about us ever thinking that we wanted to return to that horrific nightmare of being slaves in Egypt? Question number seven. This is the question of the Shla. How do we say in the Haggadah of Pesach, Had Hashem not taken us out of Mitzrayim, today we would be slaves. That's not true. Didn't Hashem specifically promise of Ramavinu that after 400 years of exile, the Yidin would be freed? Obviously, from all of these seven questions, we really need to figure out what on earth was really happening down there in Mitzrayim. In order to properly understand this and many other interesting insights, we invite you on a journey deep into the subject of Golos Mitzrayim, Egyptian exile, so that we can truly understand what our servitude in Mitzrayim was really all about. And because we opened up with the statement of the Sfasemes that the servitude in Golos of Mitzrayim is really exactly the same as all the different exiles, so by studying the past Golos Mitzrayim, we will, Be'ezras Hashem, hopefully emerge with a greater understanding of what we are all going through in our current Golos, and then hopefully find tangible ways to greatly improve our daily lives. And you'll go higher